Now I want to go back to the word today and uh, as you know we're going through the gospel of Mark and we study who Jesus is and why he came. But uh, something happened during this lockdown. I spoke to a colleague of mine at work and uh, a lot of people is having it tough during these times. And fair to say, you know, if you've got people that you're responsible for or, you know, during the really hard, tough times of lockdown, there's a lot of mental issues that went on in the world and, and happening. And it, you know, it is just natural that anybody can get a little bit downcasted. And there was a time there that I, I was a little bit downcasted, you know, things didn't work out the way that I've planned them at work, um, you know, and, and just, a, just a, a lot of things that came together. And I spoke to this colleague of mine and, uh, you know, the words that he said resonated to me in, in, and more so in remembrance this week when I thought back about what this colleague of mine said. He said to me, John, this is truly difficult times. We all know that. But do not lose heart. And I thought that was really good words for him to encourage me. Do not lose heart. Just remember how much you've already achieved. Do not lose heart. And I want to talk to you today about that topic. Do not lose heart. Another word for this, or I should say that this sermon is a sermon about discouragement. You know, if you are discouraged, if there is things happening in your life that really pulls you down, the Bible talks about losing heart. And I'm going to preach about that's the theme of the message. But it is if you're discouraged, you need to listen today. Because I believe the Word of God is going to speak to you. Now, I read during the week as I was contemplating about this message, whether we go on in Mark and we will go back to the book of Mark. I was contemplating about this and I was reading up here and there. And, and, and one passage that I read about Martin Luther, uh, Martin Luther really resonated with what I want to talk to about today. Martin Luther, it was said that he was for a long time discouraged and he was depressed and he continued on for, a, a, it doesn't say how long it was, but you know, it just says that for a long time, this man was very discouraged, so much so that he became depressed. So his wife one day came down and walked uh, from the stairs down and walked into the room fully, fully clothed in a black dress. And that immediately grabbed Martin Luther's attention. And he said to her, who died? You know, he was so caught up in his depressive mode that he thought he lost, you know, sense of reality. And he said to her, who died? And she looked at him and she said to him, God died. And man, I mean, Martin Luther said, no, God didn't die. He, he didn't die. God is alive. And she then responded quickly to him. She said to him then, well, live like it and act like it. Oh, and that is so true. It is so true what his wife said. You know, if we believe that God is alive, we need to live like God is alive. Not that he's dead. And we need to act that God is alive. And this is what I want to talk to you about today. To not lose heart. I want to go to Paul. When Paul writes to the church in Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16. We find Paul writing these words down. He says, Therefore, 
Now, whenever Paul uses the word therefore, or when you see the word therefore in the Bible, you need to go and read what is in front of that word. I've said it a few times. Therefore is an application word. So he gave some teaching up to a point, or he, he said something up to that point, And then he says, now that I've established this, therefore, and now we're going to see the therefore. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Now, this colleague of mine, when he said, do not lose heart, John. I know it's difficult times. Those words struck in my mind. And when I read the Bible this week and I came across this verse, it came back and it just flooded back into my memory. And this is what it is that Paul says. He says, do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Now, we need to look at these words. The term here for do not lose heart means to get discouraged. It means to be downcasted. It means to be to the point where you just want to give up. In fact, the Greek word here is the word ekakeo. Now, ekakeo means to faint and not. Uh, in fact, in the King James Version, it uses the words faint not. It's the same word, the Greek word ekakeo, which he says here, do not lose heart. In, in the King James, it means faint not. And this means to be utterly, utterly spiritless. So in other words, you've got no spirit to continue on. It also means to be exhausted to the point of giving up. And this is what the phrase means there. And this is when people say words like, it's not worth it any longer. They might be in a situation and they come to the point when they utter those words, or they might say, when will this end? You know, when will this end? Where is the end that this will happen or they might say i might as well just give up how many times have you said those words i certainly know over the years if i turn back i've used a few of those words at certain stages in my life and this is the point where you come right on the edge of losing heart or becoming discouraged this is the language that people speak who is becoming discouraged. Now, there's a lot of things, as we know, that can contribute to losing heart. I mean, if you look at the world, it is scarred by interesting conflicts that's happening now. There's just, it's scarred all over the place. And, and if you look at the news, if you turn on the news at night, uh, you know, sometimes I sit there and I wonder what is going to happen next in the world. What is coming next in the world? And when you look at the news every time, and it's negative upon negativity upon negativity, it is so easy, my friends, to come to the point to lose heart. Because as you and I know, they don't give the good news stories in the news. That's not attracting people. It is the bad news. It is the negative things. And these things is contributing to us so that we are pushed to the point of losing heart. Because we are living in this world. I don't know if you've noticed. We are living in this world. We are not out of this world. We're not living on a small farm somewhere. We're not living on a small island somewhere. And I want to prove this to you that we are right at the place that we need to be. 
You know, God didn't intend for us to be out of the world and go and live on an island. Let me give you the scripture verse. John chapter 17 verse 14. This is the high priestly prayer that Jesus prays. This is the last night that he sits in the upper room. He's having the, 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 the supper, the last meal with his disciples. And he prays this prayer after he's given them a great teaching day from chapter 13 onwards. And he utters these words in prayer to God, to the Father. He say the following words. Listen. John 17, 14. He says, I've given them your word. He was talking about the disciples. He was talking about us. He says, Father, I'm praying you to have given them your word, your logos. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. You know, even if I, for some people, if I read the scripture verse, that makes them to lose heart. They say, I don't want the world to hate me. I want the world to love me. And here Jesus says, he says, Father, I've given them your word. And the world hates them for that. But the world also hated me. And this is the fact. The world today hates the word of God. They don't want the word of God anymore. And, and for this preacher, it sometimes is discouraged when you preach the gospel, when you preach the undiluted word of God, that people say, nah, that's part of the old. We want new. We want exciting stuff. That can become discouraging. But it is Jesus himself who said, he said the world hated them. Because of what? Because of the word that he has given us. In verse 15 he says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Wow. He says, Father, you know, the world hates them because of the word that I gave them. But I don't want you to take them out of the world. And you might say, but Jesus, what's going on here? You know, let me leave this planet. I've heard some people say that. No, no. He says, Father, I don't pray that. But he says, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Keep them from the vials of the evil one. That means that God protects us in the world. He protects us in the world. And this is fascinating to know. This should be encouraging for you. But he continues on to say, they are not of the world. He repeats that. Just as I'm not of the world, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify means to set them apart and let it be known that the children of God who stands on the undefiled truth scripture of God will be sanctified by that word and the world will hate them. So we are in this world, but now I'm telling you that if you look around you and you see how this world is scarred by all of these conflicts that's happening now, it can easily push you to, to lose heart. And this is something you need to think about. But there's something else that makes us to lose heart. It is the moral shift that is taking place in our days. Think about this. I'm talking about morality. There is a shift. I don't know if you've noticed, you know, things that even five years ago was not acceptable is now standard. It's normal. 
It's the new norm. And this is what everybody talks about. And you see, the problem here is, is that the basis in God and in His Word is now replaced by our desires. You know, the, the church even is going down that road. But this is stuff, if you look at these things, it can easily, for the child of God, make you to lose heart. You know, why would Paul say, do not lose heart? Because it can happen. It can happen that the Christian, the child of God, lose heart when you see what's going on around you. You know all of the moral laws that's been changed recently and over the years. And it's just because of man's desires that these things change. So the foundation, the bedrock, is not God anymore for society. It's not the Word of God anymore. Nobody can stand up and hold the Bible up in, in public anymore and proclaim the Word of God and the basis and the standard of God anymore. He will be ridiculed. He will be destroyed by this world. And that, that will push children of God to lose heart. And I hear that. I hear that so often that people and, and, and Christians who's in the front line who say these things is happening. So these are just things that makes us to lose our heart. Uh, and that is what Paul says, therefore do not lose heart. But you see, there's something else. Even the church, many churches' desires now is to be like the world. If you look around mega churches and everything, if you look at a pop concert and you look at the church service and, and you put the sound off, it looks exactly the same. Even the church these days is going after the world. The messages that I hear from the church today, it is more about us. Bless me, Lord. Help me, Lord. It's all about me and not about God. And you know, for somebody who loves the Word of God and wants to preach the Word of God in spirit and truth, these things pushes you to lose heart, to look at these things. You see, it's more about a gathering of a crowd than honoring the Lord these days. You know, how can we get a crowd together? What fancy things can we do? What entertainment can we do to, to draw a crowd? It's not about honoring God anymore these days. And honestly, you know, I was thinking this week and I was thinking, you know, preparing for this message. It, it pushes you to the point that you say in those words up there, you know, is it worth it? But it is. Just hold on. I'm going to give you the good news in a few moments. So when you see the church is shifting, when you see morality is shifting, when you see all of these conflicts going on in the world, that's, that's all of these things pushes you to lose heart. But then we have our own personal burdens as well. If you think about that, on top of all of these things, we are living in this life with personal burdens. I know of some people who's enduring a long struggle with health. You know, if, if they wake up one day and there's no pain in their body, that's a good day. And, and, you know, they celebrate that day just for maybe six hours later or eight hours later, the body's ridiculed with pain. I know of people, you know, I know of a man just woke up in the morning, feel a little bit dizzy in the, in, in the face, go, you know, infection. All of these kind of things happen. And these are struggles. You know, it, it, it is struggles of having endless rounds of treatments. And somebody can sit right there in that circumstance and say, when will this end? 
you know, when, when am I going to see the end of this? How am I going to, how am I going to draw through this? I can't even see Friday from Thursday, from Wednesday. What to think about next month, next year. And these are children of God. And it's so easy to come to the point. And it's so easy to be drained wondering what the next day is going to bring. When the next better day is going to be there. And it's all of these things, my brother and sister, my dear friend. The world, the church, everything. But then on top of that, there can be great difficulties at work. There could be great difficulties in your home, relationships with homes. You know, with, with something that happened in your street. With friends. Maybe somebody said the wrong thing. Maybe you said the wrong thing. And it, and it set off a whole circumstantial thing that ran out of control. And people are hurt now. And, and people are sore. And, and you think, Lord, when, I, when am I going to get into the rest? When am I going to have a day that I can feel it is just a peaceful day? All these things is all circumstances that pushes you to lose heart to be discouraged to be depressed and these are the things that i want to talk to you about you know how and how do you see this how do you deal with this you know when somebody says my life is not what it what i wanted it to be i hear a lot of times young people say that you know my life's not what it is or this is not what I've signed up for. Have you heard that one before? I've heard it. Certainly I've, I hear it from young people. If they just get into a difficult situation, they say, nah, I'm throwing in the towel. Have you heard that one? Throwing in the towel. This is not what I've signed up for. Why would I find myself in this situation? How can I find myself here where I'm today? All of these things. And then my brother and sister, dear friend, you can rightly ask the question then. How then, Paul, am I supposed to live in a world like this and not lose heart? That's a good question to ask then. How then, Paul? Tell me, Paul. Give me some encouragement here. How am I supposed to do this? And I've heard over the years so many prayers where, you know, preachers will preach this, but they don't tell you how. Paul is not like that. Paul always tells you this is the problem and this is the how and we're going to look at this you know how can i face the presence that are all around me and not be overwhelmed with this discouragement paul is the man who's going to tell us how and through him the holy spirit speaks to us now i'm just going to be short today paul is going to give us three guidances here in the next few verses three guidances and he's going to use contrasts to show us the world we're living in and not to lose heart. He's going to show us the one end which we can see, which we can feel, which is hurting us. And then he's going to contrast it against something else. And this is so exciting. And I pray the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. Firstly, he's going to contrast for us the outer self, this body with the inner man he's going to contrast that for us and we're going to open it up a little bit so that we understand that and then he's going to contrast the present affliction that's happening with you it might be last week this week it might be tomorrow and he's going to put that against eternal glory 
And once you see that, then you will understand that Paul says, do not lose heart because there is good news here. And then finally, he's going to contrast with us the things we can see against the things we can't see, the unseen. So let's look at verse 16 again as we go back to Paul, as we go back to the word of God, because the word of God has always got the answers. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 again, Paul says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man, there is the word there, is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Now, I know a lot of people will say, Paul, what are you talking about? Outward man and inward man. What are you talking about, Paul? I certainly can't feel my inward man and I just feel the pain in my body. Well, hang in there because I want to unpack it for you. Paul is really, he's writing under the unction of the Holy Spirit by direction of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says when he himself writes to Timothy, he says all scripture is an inspiration from God. It means it's breathed by God and it is good for uh, correction and for teaching so that the man of God might be perfectly equipped. Now listen to this. He contrasts this year for us the outer self to the inner self. This is what he does. And we understand it is not about all of the flesh when, when Paul talks about this. There is more. It's not just about this body. You know, it's not about how good we want to make this body feel. Or look it's not how bad this body feel it's not just about the pain in the body there is way more than that there is an inner man and it's also called the soul man now there is a distinction and people don't know many people don't know about this distinction between the outer man and the inner man many people don't but we need to go back to Genesis and I'll, I'll show it to you if we go to Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 we see the creation of man. This was Adam. Adam. And Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. It's this. He formed the body of Adam out of the dust of the ground. He did not evolve from a gooey mass. He didn't. God formed him. God formed out of the dust. You know, clay, dust, ground. He formed two legs, he formed two arms, he formed ten fingers, he formed ten toes, he formed ears, nose, eyes, he formed all the inward parts that you've got in your body. He formed the perfect man out of the earth, out of dust. And there he was lying, a beautiful sculpture at that point in time. Now if the Bible stopped there, we wouldn't have been here. Think about that. It wouldn't have been here. And God, for the, for the centuries to come, for eternity, could have had that perfectly sculptured mud man, dust man, whatever you want to call it, sitting there for perpetuity. Think about that. God could have chosen to do that. He says that God formed the man out of the dust of the ground. And again, I repeat, if he stopped, the, if it was a full stop there, that would have been preserved forever. But that's not where the verse stops. Let's read on. 
and breathed into his nostrils. You see, I'm right. He made that a perfect figure of a man. He even made him a nose with nostrils. And God came down to that mud man and he breathed through those nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Now listen to this now very carefully. That's what the New King James Version says, a living being. The King James Version says, a living soul. So that soul came in. Whilst the mud was lying there, there were no life in it. There was no life in it. Zolts. Nothing. And again, if we put a full stop after God formed him out of the ground, dead. So there you've got a body. But God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became what? A living soul. Within that dead body came a soul. There's a distinction. Think about that. When you die today, what happens? Your soul leaves this body and this matter rots. I'm so sorry to say that. Please, I say it with a lot of respect to the dead. But this body decays, better word. And it goes back to dust. That's what the Bible says. If you take the soul out of this body, it can't live. It's like this jacket. When I hang it in my cupboard down there, right there, when I take it off, it's dead. The arms won't lift up. If it does, you know, we need to run away because then it's a ghost. I give life to this jacket when I get into it and I move the arms around. But otherwise, it's dead matter. And if it hangs in that cupboard and I never wear it for the next 30 years, 40 years, how long I may live, what will happen? It will decay. One day I will take it out and there's holes in it. It's the same thing. Same thing. So Paul is on to this when he says he contrasts the outer man, this body, to the inner man, the soul. This is the, the distinction. But he goes further on, Paul. Follow me now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Because he then determines, he says that man is not only two beings, dichotonomous. Dichotonomous means two beings. Man is trichotonomous, three-part. You see, animals are dichotonomous. Animals is a body and a soul. But they, are, they haven't got the, the extra part in the likeness of God. Different message. Just want to go to this verse. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 now may the God of peace, this is Paul writing to this church, himself sanctify you completely, set you apart. And may your whole, listen now, your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now some people want to combine soul and spirit into one and say, yep, but that's, they, no, it's not. It's not. Spirit and soul is not the same. But this tells you that there's an inner man living inside of this body. And this, now we go back to our verse. And I hope by the mercy of and the grace of God that you understand now when Paul says, even though this outward man is perishing, 
There is an inward man that's been renewed day by day. That means that whatever decays the outward body cannot decay the inward man. And isn't that great news? Even for this young man sitting in front of you. Because you know what? This body is decaying. Next year, this body will be one year older. And you know what? It becomes harder to become fitter. And you know, you know all the aches and pains. I don't have to tell you. But the inward man is the one that matters. And that is so nice. And that's so good. So we know that the outward man is perishing. In fact, when he uses the word perishing there, that word, you know I love the words. Perishing means to rot. That's what it means. It means to decay. It's as though the outward man is rotting. The inward man is renewed day by day. Now, again, you know, you, you know me. I want to ask the question, how then? Explain this, you know. Don't just tell me this. How can the inward man renew day by day? Give me that secret. Well, it's not a secret. It's right in your Bible. It's right there, my friend. Let's read it. I want to show this to you. Because this is a message in itself. It's a, a bigger message than just a few verses that I'm going to show you now. But you know, the inward man is renewed day by day through the work of the Holy Spirit. You are right. Remember last week's message? I highly recommend if you, if I've lost you right now, if you're a new listener right now and you go, what are you talking about, preacher? Where are you getting this from? You put, no, no. Just go back. You know, go and listen to last week. Last week I spoke about the Holy Spirit who comes and lives inside of us. Now, when the Spirit lives inside of us, what is He doing? Is He just lying back and, and say, you know, that's so great. You know, I'm just going to be a parasite. He's not a parasite. No, no, no. He comes inside of us and He's doing a work on us. And what is He doing? He's renewing us day by day. You know, I'll tell you what, friends. I have got the experience of seeing people who live a life of sin. That sin is etched into their bodies. You can take somebody who live a life of sin and really hard life of sin, put them the same age next to each other, and you can see the decay in the body even faster, faster than the other one. But the, I've also seen where the Holy Spirit came into people who live a life like sin, cleaned them up from the inside out, and they looks renewed. This is what the Holy Spirit do. Now, it's just a show on the outside, but I want to talk about the inner man here. Now, how does he do this? Let's see how Jesus puts this. Here you say, preacher, prove this to me, that the Holy Spirit is the one that renews us day by day. And by the way, by the way, just listen to this. Nothing that happens that I just said in the beginning of the sermon, the things that makes us to lose heart, nothing of those things affects the Holy Spirit. Wow. The world can't affect the Holy Spirit. Your personal problems can't affect the effectiveness of the Holy Spirit. Your family can't affect the effectiveness of the Holy Spirit. I like to say it like that. It rolls off the tongue, the effectiveness of the Holy Spirit. It can't affect the effectiveness. But listen to what Jesus says. And this is some scriptures to prove that. John chapter 44 verse 3. He meets this lady at the well, remember? And uh, he says to her, give me some water. And it was strange for this uh, Sumerian woman, for, for a Jewish man to ask water. And then they started the conversation about worshipping. But listen to Jesus when he talks to this lady. Uh, he says to her, Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. 
the water that is getting out of the well, the physical water. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. He says, there's two kinds of water here. The one that you draw out of the well, the physical water. But there's a different kind of water here. He says, and that's the water that Jesus gives him. He says, that man, that woman will never thirst again. But the water shall, that I give shall give him. Uh, let, let me just calm down. Let, let, but the water that I shall, shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. What is Jesus talking about? That's the living water. Now we're going to see what that water is because Jesus tells us what that water is. He says, but the water that Jesus gives will become in us what? A fountain. And I don't know if you've seen a fountain. I've stood at a fountain in South Africa, a place called Kuruman. I stood at that fountain. I stood at where it started, the eye of the fountain. And I, I put my feet in there. I walked into it and you can see the water coming out of the ground. It, 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 it just pushes up the, the, you know, the sand and you can see it coming up. It is alive. It, it looks alive. It is bubbling. It is, it is exciting. When you walk in there, it's sort of, it, you know, it is just exciting view. He says, in us, it becomes like a fountain of living water that comes out. That is fantastic. Now we need to understand now what is this water? Continue on. John chapter 7 verse 37. Jesus was standing at the Feast, feast of the Booths on the steps there. You know, the, the priests are there like doing their thing and he starts and he cries out to the crowd now. He says, John 7 37, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, remember what he said to the lady at the well? If the water that I'm going to give you, you will thirst no more. Now he says to the crowd, if anyone thirsts, if you are thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The same thing, he repeats it again. He says, he who believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus, what is this living water are you talking about? Verse 39, verse 39. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. Whom those believing in him would receive. Paul is saying, although this outward body is decaying day by day, the inward man is being renewed day by day. By what? By the Holy Spirit. How wonderful is that? We need to cry in the midst of our troubles, like Micah has cried. Listen to Micah. Micah chapter 3 verse 8, he, he shouts in the midst of his troubles, this prophet, he says, but truly I'm full of the power, I'm full of the power by the spirit of the Lord and of justice and might. It was in the Old Testament the prophets spoke about this power that renewed from the inside. How wonderful is this? So again, friend, if you are experiencing loosening of heart, if you are discouraged today, look at the contrast here that Paul says. Though you are in pain, though you are stricken, though you are persecuted, compare that with the inner man and say thank you to God. Say, Lord, I'm taking a beating here. I'm taking a massive beating. But always remember that God knows about it. And He 
He will not let you be afflicted above what you can handle. And He will always be there with His power and His might and His strength. And you know where He's going to do that? He's going to renew the inner man daily through that struggle. This is some encouraging information that Paul is giving us. Now let me hurry on to the second comparison. And this is where our present affliction is compared to the eternal glory. Think about that. Verse 17. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.17 Paul continues, he says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceedingly an eternal weight of glory. And I love it when he plays with words here. In fact, I say he plays with words, but you know, I love it when he uses these words. Because he's saying light affliction. And and the meaning of that word light there, it is like something with no weight. It's like a feather. There's no weight in it. It's got no weight. It can't drop like a, 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 an iron, a ball of iron. It's, it just, it's, it's got no weight. But then he uses right after that word, the word affliction, which means it tends pressure. He says, there's no weight to this intense pressure. If I'm going to show it to you against what is waiting for you, there's no weight to this. I know it's intense, but listen, if you compare it to what's waiting for you, it becomes weightless. It is so marvelous what is coming. And you, you know what? Paul has got the credentials to write this. If you think about Paul, uh, he was beaten up in his life. Let's quickly go through this and I'll just read through this for you. Second Corinthians 11.23. Think about this man who write these words. He says, this light affliction, this intense pressure became like a feather. When he thought about the eternal weight of glory. He says in 2 Corinthians 11.23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors more abundantly. In stripes above measure. In prison more frequently. Yes, he was in prison. Um, in deaths often. He was at the point of dying. From Jews five times I, I received 40 stripes minus one. 39 times he was whipped he was whipped by the Jews for five times. How many times would you have given up? Say, Lord, when is this going to end? He says, by one is one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Night and a day I, I've been in the deep. He was, he was floating in the sea for a night and a day in the salt water. Shipwrecked. Shipwrecked. Talk about difficult situation. Talk about losing heart. Talk about discouragement. This man lifted. He says he was shipwrecked. In journeys often, perils of waters, perils of robbers. He was robbed. Perils of my own countrymen, uh, of, of Gentiles, of cities, of wilderness, perils of sea, perils of false brethren, weariness of toil, sleepless, sleeplessness, you know. In hunger, in thirst, in hunger, in thirst. Often cold and nakedness. Besides other things, what comes upon me, my deep concern for... He says all of those things is nothing against the concern for the church. But, he says, if I think of the weight of the glory awaiting me, all of this becomes like a feather. This pressure, this intense pressure on me becomes weightless. This is what you compare it up against. That's what he says. For our light affliction. And then he says these words. It is but for a moment. It's only for a moment. It's for a short time. 
Because if you look at the fleeting time, your life, me and my wife was talking about it. Man, I can't believe when I look at my children and their and our grandchildren. We were there just, it feels like, last week. But we're already moved on into grandchildren now. Time has flown. Life is short. I know when you're young, you go, what are you talking about, preacher? But go and ask a few of the, uh, the, the, the oldies and the great people. They'll tell you my life is just gone, like a mist in front of the sun. For a short time, he says. Now, if you measure this up against the weight, the weight of the glory, that's the one more thing I want to give you. Think of about this. He says our affliction work for us. If you wait against the weight of the eternal glory, the word there for weight of glory, which is the glory of God, the meaning here is a mass, a heavy mass, a mass of weight of the glory of God, which outweighs our struggles. Let me finish today. The third thing that is going to contrast is the seen versus the unseen. Verse 18. While we do not look at things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. There's the comparison. This should give you some courage. Why? You see, because we are getting discouraged by the things we see. You turn on your TV. Wow. You look at your circumstances. Wow. You look at your paycheck. Wow. You think about your circumstances. Wow. It's all the things that we can see. The world's conflicts and everything. The compromise in the church. The shifting of the morals in the world. All things you can see. So I'm not surprised, surprised when people become discouraged. But it's all things that you can see. And Paul comes here. He says we needn't lose hope. We needn't lose hope for we need to consider what we are not seeing. That's what we need to consider. And these things that we've seen is only for a short while. I've run out of time today. But I can open up scripture verses now. It's going to talk about this place has been rolled up like a scroll. It's going to burn. Yes, like, yeah, you're right. This world we're living in, is, is the end is near. It's only for a short while. But the unseen things, wow. You know, those are the things which is going to last forever. And if you compare the two with each other and you think, lost, I shouldn't lose heart. Why? Because the things that I'm seeing is afflicting me now. But if I think about the unseen things, which is forever, wow, that should lift and encourage me. And this is the distinction here. For the things that is unseen is eternal. Those are the things. Now, my friend, I'll end with this and I want to give you some homework. Because if you then turn the page and you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you're going to read about these unseen things. I'm not going to read it for you. I'm going to leave it over for you right now after this message. You know, we'll, we'll test each other next week when we come together. I'm just joking. But go and read 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You know, because what's he talking about? He's talking about our heavenly dwelling. Now, we can't see that dwelling right now. It's the unseen. But that's for eternity. And why are we sitting and looking at the things that we can see now and we go, oh, I'm losing heart. No, become encouraged by that. May the Lord bless you. I pray that the Lord has spoken to you today. My friend, if you are losing heart, maybe I'm not there to uphold you with my hand or I can't physically help you today. But I pray that Lord, that through my voice and through this message, He lift your spirit up. He lift your soul up. He gives you some courage to go on and to keep on keeping on. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for the encouragement from Paul, from your Holy Spirit, Lord. Help us, Lord, to compare the things on the earth with what you've given us, the weight of your glory. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.